0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle formation of the near side, J.D. split out left. They look left, back to throw is Adrian. He could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon. He's to the five, he lays out, he's in! That's a two-point play for Nebraska, and they've tied this game in Champagne at 35 apiece. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your host, Greg Sharp, and Ben McLaughlin. Yeah, here we are, Thursday night. Glad you could dial us up for a little bit of time here tonight. We appreciate that. Big show coming up. Tim Curran teased it. We will have Bill Moose coming up here in a couple of minutes. Can't wait to talk to the Husker Athletic Director and see what his interpretations of the last particularly 48 hours have been and where does Nebraska go from here. Uh, So looking forward to that chat here. In a few minutes. Let's start, um, Ben, with what Tim had on the the ticker, the statement that came out at about 8.30 this morning from Ronnie Green and Ted Carter. I'll I'll be honest, I thought we would see this similar statement yesterday from those two. Just kind of put at ease and at rest all the talk that Nebraska was looking to leave the Big Ten, which came out of nobody's mouth associated with the university that I'm aware of. Maybe I missed some dynamite quote from President Carter or Chancellor Green or Athletic Director Moose or head football coach Scott Frost that never came out the only thing that came out was we'd like to find a way to play some football games this fall Um, what'd you make of the Chancellor and the President's fairly brief two-paragraph comment that came out this morning
1: yeah I mean I feel like um, you know first of all I'm glad there was no apologizing because there was nothing to apologize for whatsoever um, you know, I think that it was probably needed just because of the, the wildfire uh, around the, the national media and with the fans to just put an end to the, to the speculation, to the idea that they want to go somewhere else. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that say, oh, Nebraska did backpedaling today. Nebraska, you know, bowed down and, and gave into the conference. I don't agree with that at all. I think it was just kind of setting straight uh, the record and, and kind of where their heads are at. And, you know, speaking up for themselves instead of having everybody else, including um, all of the national media that have put out articles on this, putting words in the University of Nebraska's mouths. Um, and I'm really glad that, that we'll, we'll have Bill Moose on here in our next segment to be able to, you know, clarify that and, and speak to what's inside the minds of, uh, of the Huskers and their athletic department and, and um, I'm sure their relationship with the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because – you know, the, the, there wasn't an apology there. And I think some people, na- again, nationally read it that the Nebraska got back on their knees. I, I didn't read that. I think that was just a statement to say, we still want to be in the Big Ten. We never said we didn't want to be in the Big Ten. But it wasn't like, we're sorry we caused all this firestorm. We're sorry we got out of line. There was none of that. There was not – that was not an apology. And yet I think the perception nationally – uh was that it was from Nebraska i i just again i don't know I don't know how some people are reading these things. And, and again, it's one of those things where you could have a, a room full of people and you all read the same thing and you interpret it differently. I, I guess that's the way it is. But I'm with you, and I think Husker fans would have been mad, Ben, honestly, if there was an apology in there. Because I, I think Nebraska fans are like what you just said. We don't need to apologize for anything. All we would like to do is see our football team play and try to help the economics of our athletic department, our city, and our state. While – there are three other big
1: time conferences that are still giving it a try. Uh, it's one thing if everybody came together and they said no football. You know, even Mark Emmert today tried to tried to piece together somewhat of a of a speech today for the for the internet to watch. So the NCAA is is still around, apparently. Uh, so that was great to see. But if if all five conferences were to, were to pull the plug and say, you know what? Um, we all got together. We agreed this isn't this isn't the best thing, and th- then there's more of a gripe, right? If it can be sour grapes or whatever. However, I can understand at least understand that argument. I don't. I still don't agree with it, but I, I would at least understand it. But you've got teams all around our state that are still, you know, a Barry Bonds home run away from where we are in Lincoln and playing football. So. That's where the frustration lies, and, and you brought up the perfect point yesterday. And I've I've kind of stolen that, and I've said I mean I don't know about you, but I've been on a few radio shows the last few days trying to get Nebraska's perspective on things. How how are we living in a world where it's safe for the Iowa State Cyclones to play football, but not safe for the Iowa Hawkeyes to play football? I, I just don't I don't understand it, and until. You know, we start to hear some from some of these medical professionals. We did start to hear uh, some of the concerns from some of them. Uh, and, they, and they were even disagreeing with each other from what we were, what we were seeing. Until, until we can, can believe and, and understand and comprehend to what extent of the spectrum we're on, why are you yanking the cord out of the wall? I think that's the biggest gripe that people around here have, and the biggest reason why Nebraska fans are using their voice so much is because we understand the impact that no Husker football has on our society, as on our community. Meanwhile, you got, you got teams that are practicing today. You got coaches that are watching game film today, and what are we doing? We got guys at home watching, you know, playing Call of Duty and and probably
0: figuring out where they're going to go hang out with their friends. Some of them, Greg, might even be looking for a
1: place to go play football.
0: Ben, to me there seemed like there were three schools in particular that this decision didn't sit well. You mentioned the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of that is because their in-state rival, a team they butt heads with for every in-state kid, the Iowa State Cyclones, as of now are playing. Nebraska was the other one. The three closest Division I football programs to Lincoln, Nebraska, is Kansas State, Kansas, and Iowa State. Three programs that Nebraska, within the 500-mile radius, recruits against. They're all playing. Ohio State. Who's Ohio State's biggest competition on the recruiting trail? Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, LSU. Oh, they're all playing. Is it a coincidence that the three schools that probably are the most unhappy by this decision may have the most to lose because they're not playing while teams they butt heads constantly with on the recruiting trail, as of now, anyway, are going to be playing football in six weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a tough situation all the way around. I mean, I've
1: had, um, you know, Husker fans that are friends that don't live in the state, and a lot of them have been reaching out the last couple of days, and and a lot of their questions are geared more toward the fallout. And the, and the sad thing is that, that I've talked about with each one of them, the worst, part, the worst part is obviously the infrastructure of our community and Husker football being a fabric of so many important places. The other big part to this is going to be what type of disadvantage, not just Nebraska, but the entire Big Ten Conference is going to be if for some reason the Big 12 can pull off a six-game fall schedule, if they can if they can even make it through half. I mean, is it a, is it a long shot? Maybe. I don't know. But as of today, they're still going, so I, I have every reason to believe that they're at least going to try. That will be so detrimental to this conference for the next one, three, five, seven years that I don't know we can fully understand it
0: yet. Totally agree. All right, the other big story of the day also came out this morning, and that was Purdue head coach Jeff Brom putting out his thoughts about how spring football could work. And basically what he was suggesting was early February, camps open again, early March, first weekend of March, you start an eight-game schedule, no bye weeks. You play uh, the six teams in your division and two crossovers, ending the regular season right toward the end of April. Uh, And then part two of that, Ben, was – you don't start next fall, the 2021 season, until October 1st, and you reduced the length and schedule of that season from the 12 down to 10 to give the guys another month of recovery. Um, he's distributed it out, I guess, apparently to everybody. Got a lot of play nationally. Uh, This kind of goes against what Ryan Day, Ohio State's coach, was kind of offering up yesterday, and I don't think he'd put near the thought into his scratch plan that, that Jeff Brom did at Purdue. Ryan Day from Ohio State was saying he thinks camp should open in December. You go play doubleheader games in domes in Minneapolis, Detroit, Indianapolis, and Milwaukee, where everybody plays in those sites, kind of a bubble, where you'd have a noon kickoff for one game and maybe a 5 o'clock kickoff for the second game. You play indoors, so you get out of the weather, and you start it in January. So you have two head coaches already that have floated plans out there. So let's start with the Braum one, which seems to get is getting most of the headway across the country today. What would you make of that? I mean in theory it's something that that could work now
1: I go back to my biggest issue with this and I put a tweet up about this immediately after the Big Ten put out there or the commissioner spoke and said there was going to be no football is on what planet is it safe to have football players play 20 games in, in and in less than a calendar year and, and coming from a head coach nonetheless I I just – I can understand it if it's a bunch of suits that are in there talking about it that have never played football and don't know the physical toll that it takes on your body. But to, to hear it from a head coach is was a little surprising to me. I mean, he knows what those Sundays are like and those Mondays are like when, when you just get done playing the Badgers and you just get done playing the Hawkeyes and you're all beat up. You know exactly what it's like. You want to do that 20 times to your players in a calendar year. I just – it's such a far cry to me, Greg, that this happens – to me, the only sense that it makes, and I think it's even a stretch at this, is to play your division. I mean, if you're trying to play a spring, play your division, have your two division winners play at the end with all kinds of tiebreakers because you know it's probably going to happen. There's your conference champion. I still don't think even that's going to happen. But the idea that you're going to squeeze eight games in in the spring and then turn around you know, a few months later and start it all over again, absolutely insane to me. So... Yeah, I mean to somebody that is reading that on paper go, "Yeah, we can make that work. We can fit that in the calendar." Yeah, I mean that's all you got to do is do this, this and this. Hopefully by then there's a vaccine to the virus or we have better handle on health and safety. Yeah, that's going to
0: work. Let's just roll it out and do it. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think it's going to work at all. He he did have some things in there about it. no padded practices during the week, so you really can't hit up that would limit the guys. But eight straight weeks, that's a that's a haul. Even for a normal college football season, eight straight Saturdays without yeah. a break Man, that just seems like an awful lot. Remember
1: what it was like a couple of years ago when we didn't have a bye week until Iowa. Oh. I mean, that, how beat up our – and they don't – our players do not like bye weeks at all. How much all of them wanted were – wanted that bye week so bad. And, I, and I'm remembering the, the, the seniors the year before going, thank God that's not me and I don't have to go play – 11 games before a bye week I mean that's that's coming from the players themselves so yeah I mean it, and even no pads isn't that putting your team in danger on Saturday if you're not practicing that stuff during the week and you're expecting them to just go out there on Saturday and do it isn't that opening another can of worms in terms of you know practice and and technique and all that stuff especially for your younger players I just don't think it's going to work
0: all right let's go to the phones Jason and Lincoln going to lead us off tonight good evening Jason welcome to Sports Nightly. League
2: Hey guys, uh, hey Ben. You know, last night you were saying you're you pretty frustrated, which is understandable. You know, yeah, hey, uh, you know, what, what's the point in working out? What, what's the point in working out if uh, if we can't do anything? Well, here's what I think will happen because I think football is important enough, money-wise, and I think with the virus and and the treatments, or excuse me, the vaccine possibilities and the treatment, I think they will play a spring football season. And here's why you work out, even though you don't know, because You know, Frost should get these guys laser-focused, practice, any practice we can get, or at least conditioning, working out, knowing the playbook inside and out, team unity. Just focus on that September, October, November. Then they're going to give guys, you know they're going to give them an extended probably Thanksgiving and Christmas break. They're going to cut them loose, and they're going to say, kids, go home in the heart of this uh, flu and, and COVID season. Uh, take a long break frost can tell the guys we have been working our butts off since august september october now we're november i'm going to cut you loose until you come back in january you know and if you come back and you're you gained 15 pounds and you haven't done any workout regimen and you ate like a slob then you, maybe coming back isn't for you maybe you don't, you're not going to meant to be a husker because when we get back in january and have some sort of practices leading up to a abbreviated spring season um, then you you better be ready to go, and I think this is our chance to get guys experience, build the team unity, memorize that dang playbook, and just get better and better conditioned, and just start fresh in 2021. I really think there'll be some sort of season. It may be a bubble type of season. It may be a condensed season. Who knows? Maybe nothing. But my last analogy, and I said this a couple times today. Uh, you remember those Chilean miners several years ago? They were down there. They didn't know. There was no one. There was no certainty. They just knew they were underneath the ground and the tunnel had collapsed and they didn't know if they were going to be rescued. They had a guy, their leader, their Scott Frost, so to speak. He kept them busy. He kept them occupied. He kept them positive. He had them rationing food and water. He had them moving rocks and coal from one side of the thing to the other just to keep them busy and to exercise them. And sure enough, after a few weeks, They were able to get a message to the surface, and the surface was able to talk to them and say, hey, we're coming for you guys. 69 days later, they got out of the hole, but they were alive. Nobody killed themselves. Nobody gave up because they had a laser-focused leader down there. Can you imagine how horrible that would be, not knowing for weeks? They didn't even know that the the people up on the surface were going to try to look for them. They knew they were under there, but... You know, a lot of times those mines collapse and nobody ever, you know, tries to get you out. They try, but it's just feeble. But they hung in there and they did it. If Frost says, "All right, guys, this is what we're going to do," when January and February come, we are going to rock it. That's what we need to do. Thank you. Hi,
0: G- Hi Jason. Thanks. Okay, I got to get to Bill Moose here real quick. You want to reply to that? Yeah. I mean, these kids have. Uh, all, uh, that
1: sounds great in theory. Again, I, I mean, it's it's that's a. It's a realistically, though, Jason, these kids have already been working out for eight months to play football. How much longer are you going to keep them motivated to keep them focused when you can't give them a straight answer of when this work is going to pay off? These kids are 18, 19, and 20 years old. They're not they're not adults fighting for their lives in a mine. They're, they came to Nebraska to play football. And when you can't tell them when that's going to happen, I don't know how you can expect them to show up day in and day out, giving 110% when they don't know what the means to the end is. I mean, I don't know how what, what motivator out there is out there that could keep
0: a whole team motivated to keep showing up to workouts when you can't even tell them when they're going to play again. I I do think that this coaching staff will get creative. They will find a ways to kind of use the fall as an extended spring practice, which they didn't get. I do think they will come up with some kind of plan. But there's also a ramp-up process that you have in football to get them ready to go. They have gone through that ramp-up process with the thought they were playing football in September. So now you probably have to back off a little bit. Go through kind of a spring workout, work on the things that Jason talked about, but then you've got, to, like he said, and it may be a longer time than that. You got to go downtime and then start to the ramp up again if you play uh, in March. All right, need to get to a break. Bill Moose uh, hanging on the line. We'll get to the athletic director for the University of Nebraska. That coming up next. Welcome back, Sports Island here on a Thursday night. I'm delighted now to be joined by the Athletic Director for the University of Nebraska, Bill Moose. Bill, thank you for the time. I know it's been an incredibly hectic several days, heck, several weeks, probably even several months since this all started uh, back in March. How have you processed the last several days and, and, and the last seven, eight days going back to the schedule release last Wednesday?
3: well it, uh, it it's been fast paced um, the process has taken five months, Greg um, and uh, and then it all came to an end fairly quickly uh, and that certainly is frustrating i I feel uh, for our coaches who have been working so hard and and for our fans who uh, were really getting excited uh, and most of all for the student athletes who have worked very, very diligently, have worked hard have um, had their hopes up and uh, and hopefully we can keep their morale where where it can be and and keep moving through this thing
0: Bill, Bill on Monday, we heard from the head football coach for the first time in about a month, and boy, there was some passion. And some fight in him on Monday. What What did you think of of Scott's performance and the leadership that he showed on Monday?
3: I I thought it was outstanding. Um, Scott Frost is uh, not only very articulate; he's very smart. He's passionate. He's caring. He isn't just saying these things to be talking. He He means this, and we need to remember and our fans need to remember that he made those comments before any decision was made uh, on this season and such. He, he, uh, he voiced what he felt. uh, I thought he was uh, very um, uh, appropriate and respectful to the big 10 as we all are. Uh, But uh, let me tell you, uh, Scott Frost will have a great record as the head football coach at the University of Nebraska. Uh, but how he has handled this and, and what his priorities have been is what he's all about. And uh, uh, I, I, I watched him and listened to that and never have I ever been in doubt that he's the right guy to be leading this football program. and And I hope everybody understands how fortunate we are to have him.
0: Bill, Bill, the comment that he made that, that caught national headlines was that uh, you, you all would be looking for any option to find some opponents to play this fall. Take me through that. Is, is, has that door closed completely? Where, where does that stand? And, and obviously there were people within the conference that took, took a, a offend, were offended by those remarks
3: that Scott made. Yeah, and there were some that were very supportive of it, Greg. Uh, uh, again, um, our our uh, our positioning here in in Lincoln, Nebraska, is different than our our peers in the Big Ten, uh, with the possible exception of Iowa. We uh, we're in a safe, clean environment. Uh, we have done everything. To a T in regards to testing protocols, um, I, we, we could we could write the book on how to get a football team, volleyball team, soccer team ready for competition in the midst of a, of a worldwide pandemic. And uh, <clears throat> so we felt that uh, if indeed, The season was canceled, that uh, we needed to be prepared uh, to look at some options and some alternatives to uh, hopefully play six, seven, eight, nine, maybe ten games uh, with opponents outside of the Big Ten. And uh, uh, we were looking at that, hoping and uh, planning to play that, uh, reduced 10 game uh, schedule that was put out by the Big Ten that I had a lot to do with, uh, but wanted some options in the event we couldn't. And uh, as you know, and our fans know, uh, that that was not permissible. Uh, primarily, I feel, Greg, because the season really wasn't canceled, it was postponed. And uh, that, that means that hopefully we're going to play in the spring or sometime uh, after the first of the calendar year. And uh, that would have made it uh, difficult to still play uh, a series of non-conference games in the fall and then come back and play a conference season uh, in the spring. At least that's how the conference felt. It wasn't how Scott and I felt. And, uh, uh, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we are proud members of the Big Ten. It's a prestigious conference, and we will be in compliance. But we thought all the way until actually yesterday that we might have a chance to do that. Bill, in any
0: way, did the the events of the last couple of days put a strain on Nebraska's relationship in the Big Ten? At least in your eyes?
3: No, I don't think so. Uh, I know in some uh, sports talk shows and. And uh, such, uh, there was some uh, anger and feelings. If uh, you don't like the Big Ten, get out. That isn't what this was all about. Uh, We like the Big Ten. And we're going to compete in the Big Ten, and we're going to be successful in the Big Ten. Uh, So uh, that was a decision that was made ten years ago, and the decision stands. And uh, our our future plans are to compete and to be successful in all of our sport programs in this good conference.
0: Again, visiting Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. It's been a wild week plus. Heck, it's been a wild four or five months since COVID shut everything down back in March. All along, Bill, you, Scott Frost, even Ted Carter, I, I've talked to throughout all this. We've been very confident that you could keep the student-athletes healthy you could keep them safe here on campus take me through that why have you been so confident and and obviously you've you've had a lot of help from the medical side of things to make sure that this is the best place for your student athletes
3: well i've said all along uh when i was uh, staging um the the fight and turned out to to uh, go into fruition of uh having voluntary workouts begin the 1st of June because I said back then and I continue to that the safest place for our student athletes is Lincoln, Nebraska to get them out of high risk areas in California and Texas and Florida and and New Jersey and get them here and uh, the safest place once they're in Lincoln, Nebraska is in our facilities. And uh, our, our medical Uh, people, our doctors, trainers, uh, all of our performance uh, professionals, our our psychologists, our nutritionists, everybody was uh, queued up and ready to take care of these student athletes. Our testing protocol, how we got the student athlete from the airport to our facilities, uh, quarantine for uh, two days, uh, testing, uh, if we did have a positive test, uh, uh, how we dealt with that—all uh, very, very well. Like I said earlier in our visit, uh, we could write the book on that. And uh, so, uh, we we felt all along that we were on top of this. And. Uh, uh, really felt in many regards that a lot of the other conference schools were, too. Uh, there were some concerns at some places, and that's understandable, but uh, here at the University of Nebraska, because where we are, because of the great professionals, our wonderful affiliation with uh, the University of Nebraska Medical uh, Center in Omaha, uh, they have been so, so very helpful, and played such a very big part in what we're doing and will continue to. It was, uh, I felt, a very comfortable situation that uh, all of us felt good about and that we were uh, making good strides to be in a position to start our fall camps in, in the three sports, football, volleyball, and soccer, and move on into competition in September. Bill,
0: it must, it must have been a gut punch for all your student-athletes to hear the news that their seasons have been pushed back. How, how are they handling that? And can you just kind of give us a sense of their mood the last 48 hours?
3: That was a tough message to send out. Uh, it was a tough head coaches meeting. Uh, I had a tough time getting through that because I love those coaches. And I love our our student-athletes who are just eager to um, – compete and to be teammates uh, and uh, they are resilient um, we're hoping they'll all stay the course we're uh, working on what the what the schedule will be and how many hours we can have access with them and the in the various sports we have the, the uh, winter and spring sports coming back to start school here um, shortly and and can we get them into their facilities and, and all those things? Uh, these young people want to be here. They want to be with their teammates. They want to have the discipline and structure that they need, and we want to provide it. So um, disappointed, yes. Think about it. They have dreamt of, of of competing at the college level, the major college level, at a at a storied program like the University of Nebraska um, in in the prestigious Big Ten, and uh, for right now, those dreams are crushed. And uh, it's going to take uh, all we've got to make sure we embrace them, love them, take care of them, and get through this together. And I I really feel that uh, we have the people at all levels and and capacities to do that.
0: Again, visiting Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network, Bill, the, the, the mountain ahead of you as far as the economic impact for your department has to be pretty daunting. I know the city's gonna have to deal with this, the state's gonna have to deal with this. You uh, you took some steps back in June to try to, I mean, soften the blow, but it, it probably can't even compare to what may be lying ahead of you. Just talk a little bit about the challenge that, that lies ahead of you and your department.
3: Well, when we made those tough decisions, Greg, uh, back in June, uh, we eliminated 17 positions, um, some some of those high-level positions, uh, and made a budget cut of 10% to address uh, a a uh, budget deficit that, in the beginning, we were thinking might be uh, 12, maybe 15 million dollars, uh, with the news that we received uh, this week, we now are looking at a deficit in athletics alone, right here. I'm not talking the University of uh, North of 100 million dollars. Um, we, if we can get the television revenue or parts of it uh, with a, a non-traditional season, that'll help. But as we've talked before, each each home football game is worth 12 million. Uh, and and that didn't count television and our our uh, our media partners and all of those things. So uh, we've been meeting and been meeting for quite some time now. We have a, a solid feel for uh, the the dilemma we're facing. Uh, my senior staff right now, as we're speaking, is in uh, our conference room uh, looking at all the different ways that we can address this. So uh, that. That is a, uh, a daunting exercise. Now, last time we talked, I mentioned uh, the family of Lincoln. You know, we care about uh, all these businesses, all these wonderful people in Lincoln and throughout the, uh, the greater Lincoln area and are all around the state of Nebraska. Uh, at that time, I was talking about a $250 million economic uh, negative impact. It's probably closer to 300 million that seven home games at capacity provide, and that's a lot of businesses, a lot of jobs, a lot of families that are going to be affected, and uh, uh, that weighs heavy on me, and it weighs heavy on on uh, all of the administrators at, at the University of Nebraska. So, uh, uh, well, you know, this is an amazing state, and and we will. Lock arms and we will we will march through this much like we did uh, in the aftermath of the floods uh, that took place uh, earlier and last year and and uh, we'll get there and it'll make us stronger. We'll come out better in the end, but uh, uh, i I have a strong, strong care and and feelings for the people that are going to be affected both in our department in, at the university in Lincoln and throughout the entire state of Nebraska.
0: Well, Bill, I know you, you know this, but the fan base, they're hurting right along with you. They, they love their Huskers and all the sports, football in particular. The, the, I think they've been crushed with the news the last couple days as well. Uh, so a good, good words there from you to just tell them to hang in there, hang with us and they'll come a day when they'll be able to come back in through our stadiums and our arenas and, and cheer this, these, these wonderful Husker student athletes on.
3: They will. And that'll be a, a grand and glorious time. Um, and we'll, we'll all rejoice then, um, uh, and uh, what wonderful, wonderful fans they are. The only good news is I'm not going to have to, and my staff, figure out who could come into the stadium and who couldn't if we had uh, uh, a capacity issue in regards to the virus. So hopefully we aren't going to have to do that. Uh, We can get back um, next year with uh, uh, full capacity, marching bands, spirit squads, tailgating, everything like uh, we, we've enjoyed through all of these years, and uh, I feel strongly that we'll get there. Hang with us, and, uh, Greg, thank you, and, and uh, all our, our affiliates around the state, who have been so fabulous. Um, really, really uh, thank them, the media. Um, we've, got, we've got a story to tell, and we're going to have some good, uh, fabulous endings to all this down the road.
0: Back for Hour 2 of Thursday Night Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Great to have Bill Moose on earlier in the hour, putting an end to the talk of any Husker football here in the fall as more and more signs, points, at least trying to get some games in in the spring. We'll see how that progresses on. Uh, big hour coming up. Teddy Greenstein going to join us later on in the hour. We'll get his take on all of this. He he probably sees it from a different kind of s- View a different lens, a different eyeglass than what we do here in Lincoln, Nebraska. So we'll get his take on what's happened over the last seven or eight days. And Teddy's been pretty consistent. He didn't think there would be college football played this fall, at least as, as it pertains to the Big Ten. He he is correct. Also. Um, Ben, you know, I talked last night, but we really wanted to hear from Brendan Stuy, who's part of our network crew, does a great job with us. He also works for Husker Athletics, but he also, Ben, has a son playing college football at Ohio U, and, and they have canceled within the last week or so because the MAC conference is shut down. And um, I'm going to let you lead this. You and Brendan do Husker Game Day, and he's always a great guest, so I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah, I'm happy to welcome Brendan onto the program now. And I know,
1: Beastie, it's been a a puzzling couple of days. Um, What what have you made of everything in the last uh, 72 hours, and how you're holding up, and how you've kind of processed everything that's happened?
4: Well, you know, I'm a little, little shocked, a lot shocked, if you will. Um, You know, I thought Wednesday the announcement of the schedule got a lot of people's hopes up, and I'm really kind of from our perspective, working in the athletic department, it was a matter of now figuring out seating concessions. And, you know, for 72 hours to go by and, and get the news, um, you know, after the announcement that Scott had made saying he wanted to play, it just kind of threw every everything into a whirlwind, and um, it's unfortunate. Um, I'm really upset about it, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot, a lot of people are, and I think the, the, the idea of – no Husker football. I don't know that we truly understand the effects that this is going to have. The, one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on is you have the unique perspective of, of working in the athletic department right now, but also uh, you're an alumni. You are you are a big part of, of what made Nebraska what it is today with the teams that you played on, the teams that, that um, you know, earned that reputation around the country. What What is it about in your in your opinion, Brendan, the Nebraska brand that that people seem to want to call out, want to pick on, you know, low-hanging fruit, if you will, with this with this university, to uh, have the people have been saying what they have about about our program, about our head coach, and about what Nebraska stands for in the last you know day or two.
4: Yeah, I was uh, really taken back with uh, Desmond's comments. Uh, I was a teammate with Desmond. Howard, and in my opinion, he's Desmond Coward, um, sits behind a desk and and really uneducatedly makes those kind of statements um, about a program that he doesn't know anything about and and certainly doesn't pay the respect that Scott should get for really putting his keys on the table and letting everybody know really what everybody's thinking. You know, the elephant in the room is we want to play. You know, these kids want to play. They work their tails off to, to get a chance to go out and play football. And to think that uh, mitigating football or mitigating COVID-19 is is getting rid of um, football is ridiculous. You know, I mean, the risks that these kids take day in and day out, they walk in the weight room, practice field, out on the field. um, You know, it's it's, it's certainly uh, a risk every single time. And for somebody to sit back and even Wilbon, you know, I I know him, uh, certainly have a great deal of respect for him. Um, But again, I mean, to really kind of take it all into one breath and just say, you know, Nebraska needs to sit on the sidelines on this one. And, you know, they need to apologize for the comments that they've made to the, you know, about the, you know, trying to get a chance to, you know, put forward a product on the field and go play football. And all the while, you know, making uh, sure that our student athletes are safe and, you know, to, to really kind of address Kevin Warren I think you know I mean he's had a lot on his on his table in the, in the six months that he's had the job now whether or not he's done, done the job well that's to re, remains to be seen but I certainly don't think some of the decisions that have been made have been prudent to uh, being you know effectively put into place I think uh, there were decisions probably made a long time ago and you know the you know, the general statement of coming out and putting a, you know, the season, uh, you know, as far as the the schedule out, um, you know, was a a way of kind of comforting the blow when they had to make the announcement that they were going to go ahead and postpone the season, which, you know, I thought was not the correct way to do it. Um, But certainly I'm not a guy to be uh, making those decisions. Um, It just, to me, it doesn't sound like it was, you know, a very well thought out um, when it comes to the, the whole Equation, Ben. I mean, from an economical standpoint, uh, each market, if you're talking apples to oranges in every market, Lincoln certainly is not the same market as Northwestern. You know, and so there's so many things that are going to be affected by this, and just the, the sheer awesomeness of the number uh, financially is incredible. And then not only that, but I think the mental. State of all athletes, you know. Obviously, football is a huge one, but I mean to cancel all fall sports, especially with these seniors. And then the other thing that bothers me, Ben, you guys have probably talked about a little bit, is the NC2A kind of sitting on their hands until recently. You know, coming out with you know some parameters for some of these student athletes.
1: Yeah, and that's I've even put out a tweet yesterday saying that same thing. You know, why why is it that is a conference by conference basis? Obviously, their stake in football is much different than it is in other sports. Brendan, one thing that, that stuck out to me and, and made me feel uh, about the University of Nebraska is a great sense of pride in the way that, that they've handled it, but but even more so the sense of unity that I feel uh, that Nebraska has, that North Stadium has, that our football coach has from top to bottom. I feel like that's not the case in, in a lot of other places around the league. but. To a man down the line, everybody kind of agrees on, on what direction and has kind of stood side by side and shoulder to shoulder. And as you know, uh, where this program has been in the last five to 10 years, that's, that hasn't always been the case. That's, that's hard to come by. But what, what did you feel you know, seeing everybody kind of forged together um, from, from the top down, from the president to the chancellor, athletic director, head coach, and even down into the fans about how, how unified
4: everybody was? Yeah, no doubt. You know, I think you couldn't have said that probably 10 years ago. I think that there was not um, a unification of the athletic department. I think we've gotten to that point now. I was really proud uh, from top to bottom. You know, just like you said, uh, the same message, carrying that same message. And certainly, our Nebraska fans have always been true. You know, they've always been passionate about what we do, and they're educated and they do have an opinion. They want to be heard. And, you know, platforms like this radio show um, have given those fans the ability to do that. And I think, you know, there's an unbiased um, opinion that's being written, I think in local papers and, and on the radio and, and, and some of it's biased as well. But with that being said, you know, you've got to be unified in, in any sort of decisions that are made. And I, and, you know, you look at what the big 10 has done and I don't know that it was unified. I mean, when you have the rumor, I don't know if there's any truth to it, but a 12 to two split, you know, as far as voting on whether or not to postpone the season, I mean, you've got to be, I would think majority, you know, I mean, it's just, everybody's got to vote yes or you can't walk out of that room.
1: Yeah, and I would agree with that as well. And, and while we're on, on the subject of kind of national perception, where, where, where did the idea that Nebraska wanted to leave the Big Ten or they were threatening to leave the Big Ten come from? And, and how far out of touch is that from reality?
4: You know, I think that that is perceptions reality, right? I think people start to talk and whisper, you know, and just start to assume that was never mentioned once, not once by us, not once by Bill Moose, not once by Scott Frost. The only thing that was mentioned was the possibility of, you know, creating a situation where we get to play. And if there's other schools out there, what's wrong with that? You know, the the thing that I don't get about all this is why pull the plug now? Why not let these kids go through camp? and make sure that they're in an environment to where, you know, you're testing, you're beta testing to see if it can if it can work. I mean, the SEC, the ACC, Big 12, they're all going to move forward. And I'm sure if something outbreaks that is, you know, unforeseeable and you can't control, then you've got to mitigate it and you've got to postpone it even further.
1: Something that's confusing to a lot of people, myself included, is how different seemingly the medical opinions are of the experts that each institution, each conference is consulting, um, everybody seems to say that, you know, based on the experts' uh, opinions and people that they're consulting, they're recommending either to, to play or not to play. When, when you hear that with, with medically based information from experts on both sides of this thing, what's that make you feel? Like, what, how do you come down on what to believe if you have experts in such different camps?
4: I don't know what to believe. You know, it's it's been like this ever since, uh, you know, this outbreak, this pandemic started. On one side of the fence, I don't care if it's political or not. I mean, you have different opinions on both sides. And it's so inconsistent. For example, you're walking down the street, you're expected to wear a mask in Colorado, but yet you go into a restaurant in Colorado and there's 50 people sitting in the same area that you are. Half an hour ago, they were on the street. You couldn't even go by them without a mask on. Now you're sitting with them with no mask. Where's the Mm -hmm. consistency there? I just... To me, it's the bottom line with this, this virus is to ensure that it is not a huge outbreak. Why? Because of our infrastructure, our hospital systems. That is, the, I think, the main objective with this. It's clear. The numbers show you, you know, there are certainly m- much more worse things out there that are going to take lives. Do we know, you know, what the long-term effects of this um, virus is going to have? No, we don't. But do we know what concussions are going to do? You know, do we know what the long-term effect, you know, pounding on the body has? Each and everybody has a different body, and they all respond differently, and they all, you know, in the long term, um, are affected differently. So, again, it's just the uncertainty. Um, you know, when you're you're talking about medical experts that are now saying that, you know, I think taking the next step and trying to mitigate and make sure that these players are safe is doing the chest exams and making sure the pulmonary, um, you know, whatever the effects that this virus has on the, on the lungs, you know, to make sure that they're looking at that as well. And, and then they're saying, okay, it's okay to go out and play. And then you have the opposite side of that saying there's not even a chance. The uncertainty is keeping us off the field. Okay, so what does that do? That sends these kids away from an environment that's safe, puts them back into an environment where they there's no control. Now you're getting yourself into what we're trying to get away from is having this spread even further. So it just doesn't make any sense.
1: Really? Yeah. I mean, currently we're, we're living in a world where it's safe for the Iowa State Cyclones to play football but not the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I think that's where you know a lot of the confusion sets in is – you know, based on, on where you're at and, and who's speaking for you, it's, it's safe or not. Um, looking forward, Brendan, uh, to, to the current situation that it is, You know, based on that point, that based on which conference you're in, you're either allowed to play or not as of today, how detrimental in your eyes would it be to the Big 10 and to the Pac-12 if these other three major conferences are able to play while we're sitting on TV watching them play uh, in the fall, if if this hypothetically goes on without a hiccup,
4: it will it'll take a long time to recover um, financially. You know, I mean, it's certainly we're just Nebraska athletics alone. We're looking at a hundred million dollar hit. Um, you know, the state of Nebraska has been projecting anywhere from three hundred fifty million to four hundred. From so, when you're talking about a financial aspect, there's the hit um, that is going to take you probably five to ten years, if not longer, to recover from. And and then I think uh, from a recruiting standpoint, the Big Ten Conference is going to take a hit. Because if I'm a kid getting recruited, do I want to go play for a conference that's meek and is unwilling to take chances and risks and, you know, in a safe and educated way? No, I'm going to look towards the conferences that are going to be bold and take those chances. So.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Well, you kind of mentioned, but what's next? I mean, I mean, from the from an athletic department standpoint, from a football standpoint, with this decision looming, hypothetically a spring season supposedly still on the table. I don't see how that happens. But what's next on a day-to-day basis? What's going to be going on over there at the stadium and how they're going to handle this?
4: Well, I think you take it step by step. You don't try to eat an elephant all at once. Um, certainly. Uh, first and foremost we have to make sure that these student athletes are taken care of um, and, and, and put together a a you know a very smart and, and systematic approach to the next you know five months for these student athletes and then from there, you know, you, you try to figure out you know, if, if it is at all feasible, how does that look? It does spring even um, have a chance of, of even, you know, happening? And, and what does that look like? And then and I think probably the biggest thing of all this is, you know, preparing for what we're going to face probably in the next, uh, you know, 12 months. Um, and that is internally. You know, how, how does uh, Nebraska athletics deal with, um, you know, the, the hit of $100 million? So a lot of lives are going to be impacted from this, and they already have been. And, and I'm not just saying, hey, everybody, oh, poor Nebraska athletics. I mean, it's going to impact the university. It's going to impact the state of Nebraska. It's impacting everywhere. Read about it in nausea, But it's just – this is just so unprecedented and unfathomable, I think. And people are still kind of like just in shock.
1: Yeah, and I don't know that that shock's going to wear off anytime soon. I don't know that we know the answers to a lot of those questions and won't for quite some time. One thing is for sure, we're all probably on the same wavelength of how we're feeling and taking in this news that was passed down this week, that there is no fall football for the Big 10 Conference. Brennan, it's great to hear from you, man. I wish it was under better circumstances. Hopefully, the family's doing well. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to be able to see you next, but looking forward to that day. Thanks for stopping by and giving us a few minutes, man.
4: You bet. And you know what? Everybody out there, we're going to get through this. We're going to be better for it. I know you heard Bill Moose say that and Scott say that. And just you got to be positive. Keep forging forward. And, and, and really, you know, just being safe, I think, is probably the most important thing we can do to try to mitigate.
1: B. Stye, thanks, buddy. Have a
4: good one. Thanks, Ben. Take care. Bye.
1: You too. Brendan Stye. My co-host on Husker Game Day joining us on a Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices and brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. I mean, a lot of passion there. And then there's one guy that cares about Husker football to his core. It's that
0: man right there. You could hear it in his voice, right? You could. We talked about the emotion at Scott Frost's voice at the press conference on Monday. You could hear it in Bill Moose's voice last hour, and you certainly heard it from, from Brendan, who works for the department, played for the Huskers, has a son playing college football. It's, I mean, it's all coming at him at this point in time. And, and he, because he's working for that department, he understands, and I, I, I use it as a Mount Everest uh, head of, of Bill Moose in that department, what they have staring at them. Uh, it's daunting right now, and it, it's gonna. I mean, it just—it's almost too overwhelming to take it all in right now. So, I certainly feel for for Brendan, all those people that work over at the athletic department for the players, the coaches. On down the line. All right, uh, phone lines open for our next segment, 531-500-4686, 531-500-4686. You could also shoot us a text. That same number is our U.S. cellular text line, U.S. cellular, the official wireless provider of the Huskers. I've had some texts throughout the night. I'll share some of those with you uh, in the next segment as well. Come on back. We're back Thursday nights, sports Sunday. Thursday nights. We always like to check in with our man from Chicago, Teddy Greenstein. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Coming to us tonight from a golf course. You you obviously played some golf today, my friend.
5: I played with Dan Dockage today, and Dan Dockage's brother. And uh, Dan and I have joked about this for a long time. I was so bad the last time I played with him, midway through, he said, Teddy, are you drunk? <laughs> today, wasn't, today wasn't quite as bad, but this is Butler National, which uh, should host a U.S. Open one day. Uh, an incredibly difficult golf course in uh, the western suburbs of Chicago. So certainly had a good time, but great to be with you, Rick.
0: Good for you. All right, uh, let's get into the story of the week, and that's the Big Ten canceling the college football season. And, and I thought, by uh, by the way, I thought Dave Revson did a great job on the BTN coverage great. a couple of days exactly. ago. And, and the question that he asked, and I don't know that we really got much of an answer, is what changed in six days from the schedule coming out to the postponement? of What's your theory on that?
5: You know, rever did a great job and kevin warren did uh let's be honest he didn't do very well i don't think he was very prepared It was a 20-minute interview and he gave very very little information one on the nebraska question which i'm sure we'll get into but two on the why and unlike the pac-12 which really gave some medical reasoning like they had three specific things one was really a lack of testing. So right now, you know, let's say they were going to have a college football game at 11 a.m. You would want to test the players at 7 and you would want to get a result back by 8 a.m., right? Well, they don't really have the capabilities of that. Two, this myocarditis. They just don't know the long term effects. And then three, the fact that it's just very prevalent around the country. We're still seeing tens of thousands of cases a day that makes travel, especially commercial travel, potentially not dangerous, but risky. And I I wish Kevin had gotten into that more. I mean, he says, well, we're in a pandemic. We know we're in a pandemic. But he needed to explain what the issues are and the fact that the reason that it came down now is because schools had to either start full padded practices or pull the plug, right? Like Rutgers was scheduled to play Nebraska in, I mean, what was it, three and a half, four weeks. So you're either going to go for it now and have real practices or you're not, and that was why they did it now.
0: Just wish they had I think a lot of people just wish they hadn't had the big reveal of the schedule last Wednesday. If they were that sure. if it was on that thin of ice, just to sit on it and just just wait. Okay, let's get into the Nebraska issue. Scott Frost yeah. had a very passionate press conference on Monday where he, he clearly said, and I don't know if a lot of the national media knows this, he clearly said we love being a part of the Big Ten, but if the Big Ten says no football, we'd like to find a way to play some games this fall. He didn't talk about leaving the league, but Nebraska right. got creamed nationally for Great. saying something that Ryan Day said multiple times in the Last several days,
5: I thought it was unfair. I thought uh, Desmond Howard went totally overboard. You know, Michael Wilbon—that's uh, a—that's kind of the nature of the show. He probably went too strong. I, I mean, look, don't don't crush Nebraska. I mean, I talked to Fred Hoiberg the other day. His point was, look, we're having more flu deaths than COVID deaths. I mean, you guys are fortunate there. It has not yeah. affected you the same way it has a lot of places in the country. I mean, you gotta. Put yourselves in the shoes of other people. So if you're Scott Frost and you're Nebraska, I mean, you're saying, look, we want to try to play. I don't think it was such an offensive statement where Nebraska has to apologize. Or, Yeah, I thought thought the reaction was totally overboard, Greg. And um, look, obviously, Nebraska came back and said we're proud members of the league and we're not going to do this. But it, it wasn't cause for people to get as angry as they did.
0: You know, and the one thing that I don't think like the national people think about, the three closest Division One programs to Lincoln is Kansas State, Kansas, and Iowa State. And as of right now, those three programs are playing. And Nebraska right. butts head with those guys for recruits. I mean, right. that, that could be a real disadvantage.
5: Well, think about Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame yeah. is an hour and 45 minutes from here, and they're acting like, what's the problem? You know, we're playing yeah. football. Um, we've got the ACC doctor from Duke who says this is fine. So – it's close. I, I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, when you get uh, you go to multiple doctors and you get multiple diagnoses and one says have surgery and one says don't have surgery. It's close enough where some doctors are saying it's a risk. Don't do it. And some are saying it's a risk, but you can do it.
0: Yeah, and I think that adds to the confusion. And Teddy Greenstein with us from uh, from a golf course in Chicago here tonight on Sports Highly. All right, now that now the talk is spring. Jeff Brom has yeah. a, a big plan that he put out today. Ryan, Day yeah. mentioned some things yesterday. How realistic do you think that is?
5: I think it's very, very unlikely. You know, the only one that I liked hearing was from a coach who said, let's do it this way. Don't think of it as a separate spring season with a postseason. Think of as maybe what if we could play six games in the spring and then 10 games in the fall and it's kind of split seasons because the concept that you're going to start having you know bowl games and a playoff and a championship that go into may i i, I just don't think any of it's feasible and i wouldn't want to then say okay well then we're going to start the fall season in october i mean i want to have a really good awesome fall season that starts around labor day so you know, if you want to try to pull off six games and get creative and do it in domes and have double headers and triple headers with all of the Big Ten teams here, maybe that's feasible. But I still have my doubts. But this concept that you're going to, you know, play a whole slew of games, I think is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll follow it, but I, I'm skeptical about that. All right, you're on a golf course. I got to ask you about the PGA. How much? How great was that drama yeah. on Sunday? And what a shot yeah. at 16 by Colin Morikawa. How much did you enjoy the PGA?
5: Absolutely loved it. I love the fact that it was late at night. I mean, it's clearly why TV loves going to the West Coast because I mean, I think it ended or around did it end at 8 Central time? Yeah. You know, you can do all stuff during the day with your family and then come back. And it was what was there a seven-way tie for first at one <laughs> point? Amazing talent up there on the leaderboard. I had uh, Tony Finau. I'm hoping I'm trying to get him a top five so I can uh, you know cash in a little bit. But uh, Colin is. What a player. I mean, 23 years old, and for those who really have not heard about him yet, they know about him now. That shot into 16 on the drivable four was uh, immaculate.
0: Isn't isn't a drivable four on a back nine of a major maybe the best thing and maybe the only thing the Augusta Nationals missing? But, boy, that's that's great drama. Do the guys go for it? What kind of trouble can they get in? Can they get an eagle like Colin did? I love those drivable par fours late in a major.
5: Yeah, I mean, that one – uh, at, at TPC Harding, there probably needs to be more of a hazard there because even if you like pull it really badly into a bunker, then you can still get up and down for a relatively easy birdie. So I do like drivable fours, but there has to be some punishment there. you know there has to be some water, some uh, some real pain if you uh, if you can't pull it off.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll let you get back to the 19th hole. Have a great week. Yes. We'll talk next week.
5: Thanks, Greg. be well everybody. Nothing good on TV
6: anymore? Struggling to find something to watch?
2: There's no crying in baseball!
6: Well, we've got you covered.
2: I'm going to make him an offer he with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my
3: close-up.
6: It's time now for Sports Nightly Flick's Picks.
3: And action!
6: Here we are. This is a fun little segment for
0: us. Ben McLaughlin, take the lead. I would say time to let our hair down, but none of us have hair, so
1: we'll just, uh, <laughs> none of the, all three of us. We'll just, we'll, just, we'll just start the segment. Um, I did watch A League of Their Own uh, this last weekend that was in the open there. What a tremendous movie. So good. Yeah. Such a good movie. It is. You had seen it before that, correct? Oh, yeah, hundreds of times. Hundreds okay. Of times. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, we are on to a, a, a show that isn't new, but there is a new season out. We're pretty excited. It's called Shameless, and it's out on Netflix.
5: Nobody's saying our neighborhood's the Garden of Eden but it's been a good home to my kids. Fiona. No, no, no,
0: no, 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 no. The bat is for killing, not for taking to school.
5: My rock. I'm here to help Karen study for a midterm. Lip, smart as a whip. I get paid f- for tutoring. I know. Debbie, sent by God, raises money for UNICEF, some of which she actually turns in. Carl, I don't really know that much about Carl. Oh, loves animals.
1: It's a if you're not familiar with it, it's a show about a, a family in the lower class in Chicago struggling to make ends meet because of their mom had abandoned them, their dad is a is a drunk drug addict who's just never around and it, it's a family with a bunch of kids trying to raise themselves. Not something you would want to have uh it's definitely an after dark show. You don't want to have your children around when you watch it, but it's pretty funny. I enjoy it and looking forward to watching the new season that's out.
0: Any recognizable cast members um William h. Macy, no. right,
1: yeah, yeah, and then there's oh, okay. uh what what's the gal- the gal's name um man, I can't think of her name, she was in a couple of Disney movies when we were kids, but she's the uh the the main the main actress, so but yeah, it's good, it's funny, there's a lot of f- funny humor in there, and obviously some some things that are controversial, but it's easy watching and it's there's some good humor,
6: nice, all right, Tim. All right, well this one, uh, Greg will be delighted to know, is a foreign film, but it does come from the year twenty fourteen. It's not a black and white, uh, French new wave thing. Um, and I hesitate to recommend this movie, um, because I it's it's so twisted and like disturbing, but I I I've just was fascinated by it. It's called Goodnight Mommy. And it's this German horror movie where the this this mother has some facial reconstructive surgery, some type of plastic surgery, and the and her kids start to suspect because her face is all bandaged throughout the first half of the movie and her kids start to suspect that it's not really her and they they kind of goes from there and that's all i'll say because the more you learn about it the less of the impact it has but now i want to stress that this is not a like date night kind of horror movie this isn't like oh you know let's go you know snack on some popcorn no this is a little bit if you're a little bit twisted, you're gonna like this movie, <laughs> and you're gonna judge me really, really hardcore for, for liking it. But I know it's it's an interesting movie. I would say check it out for if you have a strong stomach, but don't you're, don't just don't just flip this on if you're ready for a casual watch because it's it's not that. It's you not do that. realize like your reputation's on the line
1: when you do these segments. Like people would like try and piece <laughs> together what Tim's personality is really like, and you're
6: you're putting together quite the complex. Yep persona of yourself no, this is a risk to recommend it i you're right this is a risky thing to recommend but I, when i saw it i could i couldn't get out of my head so Tim, just, what's your favorite movie well it's tough i mean like the best movie i've ever seen versus my favorite like the favorite like I, i'll watch anything you know spielberg et or go back to the old star wars movies love the original trilogy but in terms of, like the best stuff i've ever seen is uh if you ever seen well you probably haven't I would imagine but stalker which is by uh andre tarkovsky which is a russian sci-fi movie and it sounds like it's a creepy horror movie it's actually not that's the best movie I've ever seen it's not my favorite because it's a bit it's a bit hard to watch but it's probably the best movie but in terms of favorites i mean i'm i got pretty vanilla taste like et is one of my favorites love the old star wars movies you know indiana jones all that good stuff so I'm not. I promise I have like normal taste too. But this, I'm just. I like to every once in a while you got to throw a curveball in there if you catch my drift. What 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 was the name of this one again? It's called Good Night, Mommy. But it's a German movie that came out a few years ago, and I is it in German? It is in German. Yeah, you can get over the subtitles. I mean, it's not that bad, and there's not really a lot of dialogue. There's not a whole lot of dialogue. So Man, just, Ben, Olivia, Olivia is
0: gonna be ready to watch this.
6: <laughs> yeah, I would
0: when say. She bad. she asked me what I want to watch, i be
1: like, you know what? I got this great German horror movie that that, that I could recommend.
6: <laughs> but the good news is it's in German, so we yeah. have to read all the subtitles. Yeah, subtitles. Yeah, come on. It's healthy for you. Get to read a little bit. It's it's a, an experience. Tim, if I want to read, I'll get a book. Yeah. Well, maybe you should. Maybe you should read a book. My, I heard Moneyball is good. It's a good book. That's what I've been told. Woo! Boy. All right. Well, oh, I that did one see, up.
0: finally I did see the see, the series finale of Blind Spot. It uh, came to an end. It was actually about a week or so ago. I finally got a chance to watch it. I think they did a pretty good job putting a bow on that series that was on NBC. I think six seasons long. So I did see the series finale of that and did enjoy that. I also enjoyed Tim's take on this German horror film. <laughs> it's got my interest. Good heat. night, Mummy. Sign it off, Greg. <laughs> Another hour coming up.